This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax Gold with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years. With a 45-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. I am. I do. Um, I'm licensed in a, in a few, in several states, but if, even if I'm not licensed in the state, I do telephone and telemedicine educational conferences. Um, so I see patients. Sometimes they've already been certified and they don't know what to do or how to use the cannabis. To the, by by it, certified, um, you mean they're they're eligible for it because there are certain requirements, especially in certain states. Uh, not everybody, mm-hmm. you know, has a condition for which it's okay to obtain medical marijuana. Is that correct? Yes, and the conditions vary from state to state. Um, and then there's some states that have a caveat that any um, that any condition that the physician feels the patient might benefit from cannabis therapy is, is a go. So they leave so it to the physician's they, judgment. Yes, yes. So in, in Maryland, the district, and in Virginia, um, California, um, some other states, they're, they're more um, uh, geared towards the, the specific recommendations or the specific conditions that are listed. Right. So, so obviously, it, it's complicated because, I mean, people can go the DIY route. They can get your book. They can look at some of the suggestions in the book. Uh, but it's complicated. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways you can take this. You can take edibles. You can smoke it. You can vape it. You can take tinctures. Uh, there are various mm-hmm. proportions of THC and CBD in these uh, products. Uh, the, and then there's the dosage. How frequently do you use it? How much do you use? So that's, I think, where you come in is that you sort of help to mm-hmm. counsel patients and advise them. And everybody's individual. You, you have to admit that there's no one size fits all for this. Exactly. Everyone is different. Every condition is different. Everyone has a different endocannabinoid system. Some patients respond to very small doses. Some patients need larger doses. And there are a few, probably two and a half out of ten, that cannabis just doesn't really help. So um, the, the, the trick with cannabis is to um, know what you're treating, um, deciding whether this is something that you need more CBD, more THC, or a balance, and then to start with small amounts and to gradually increase it until you get you're getting the symptom relief you're looking for and then the the um, the frequency of, of increasing the the dose depends on the condition and sometimes on the age of the patient or their experience their past experience with cannabis so there are a lot of factors a lot of variables that go into how I recommend ratios of CBD to THC um, and whether I uh, recommend uh, a tincture or a topical salve or cream or uh, uh, vaping or smoking inhalation has its its um, value. I don't think I think it's overly used. I think that inhalation it's is quicker. not a very it, it efficient gets, way. It gets in much faster than yeah. taking it orally. 
Yep. Yeah, but get, but fast in is fast out. Yep. So if you have a chronic inflammatory condition, then you're always chasing your symptoms. But it's great for aborting a migraine or mm-hmm. a panic attack mm-hmm. or for severe pain or when someone's back locks up, you know, you go into muscle spasm, you can't move. Inhalation is wonderful. It's like taking cannabis IV. But mm-hmm. for most patients, uh, a slower longer-lasting delivery is really what they should be shooting for. And we have to find a sweet spot because, uh, you know, sometimes less is more uh, when it comes to yeah. especially pain relief. So let's talk about pain. You know, you in the book you enumerate that there are multiple pathways of pain. And unlike mm-hmm. drugs, you know, some drugs are great for nerve pain, you know, like Neurontin. Okay. Uh, other drugs are, are, are great for inflammation, like ibuprofen. Um, right. But... Um, it seems that, uh, you know, if, if you could use the word pain panacea, uh, yes. cannabis comes close to being a pain panacea because it works on multiple pathways. It does. It's a potent anti-inflammatory. It is. Um, it works at neuro- for neuropathy, for neuropathic pain. It will shut down the, the signal and it will protect the nerve. It is um, um, a muscle relaxant. It helps with sleep. It reduces anxiety, and it's mood elevating. Most patients with chronic pain have some element of anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. and those emotions in and of them, themselves can actually precipitate the release of pro-inflammatory mediators. So if you don't treat that, you're, you're always playing catch-up. The other thing is with cannabis, it potentiates the pain-relieving effect of opioids without increasing the risk of respiratory depression. Hmm. So you can work with a much, almost immediately, you can cut an opioid dose in half or maybe as much as even 75%. And that also helps because a lot of patients don't realize that just continuing to take these high-dose opioids um, actually in, increases their pain sensitivity so by reducing that dose, you're, you're addressing that opioid-induced hyperalgesia, which is a problem. Um, patients don't sleep well. You can't heal if you're not getting adequate sleep. So cannabis hits so many of these arms that, uh, you know, lead to chronic pain. What type of pain syndromes uh, are amenable to uh, medical cannabis? Oh, I oh, almost anything. Um, joint pain from autoimmune disease, from um, degenerative arthritis, so inflammatory processes, um, uh, uh, visceral pain, so pain associated with inflammatory bowel or pancreatitis or irritable bowel. Um, I'm even uh, it, any type of autoimmune process. Uh, they, it tends to respond very well to cannabis. Um, we're, I'm even now starting to prepare patients for post-op pain. We're starting to manage even post-op pain. There's a lot in the literature about chronic pain, but we're finding that, that post-op pain responds as well. And so patients are, are, are managing their post-op pain oh, with maybe just a day or two of an opioid as opposed to a week or two. So, um, and that minimizes the chances of addiction. Absolutely. And I, I really can't think of any migraines. It, it, mm-hmm. it works wonders for migraines, for fibromyalgia, um, 
expert uh, lines. It, I can't think of a pain syndrome that doesn't respond. Cervical um, stenosis and radiculopathies or nerve pain. Um, I don't, I'm not that impressed with it with treating some of the symptoms like tingling and numbness from mm-hmm. neuropathy, right. but it certainly will hit neuropathic pain. So, the, the good segue to, to a question that I have. Uh, I just saw a 15-year-old with anxiety and debilitating migraines. So, what about the use mm-hmm. of uh, these kind of compounds in, in kids? Uh, are they, mm-hmm. you know, Would it be safe for a 15-year-old or even a younger child? There's been a lot of work with uh, pediatric seizure disorders and the use of these mm-hmm. compounds. I will say that the youngest patient I've treated is six month, was six months old at the time, and it was a patient with um, infantile spasms who has done very well with CBD. I have treated a number of um, patients for uh, migraines, for Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a chronic pain mm-hmm. syndrome. Um, I've treated uh, autistic children for anxiety um, and the, the, I think for me, the bottom line is if the benefit outweighs the risk, then I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have children with mitochondrial disorders and, uh, all, you know, other pain syndromes that do very well. So I have, um, quite a num- a few young people that are referred to me by, um, mental health providers with severe anxiety disorder or with depression who have not responded well to pharmaceuticals. Oftentimes, um, with anxiety, uh, they end up being prescribed um, antipsychotics like Abilify mm-hmm. yeah. or Zyprexa. It's very debilitating. Don't like yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, it's very debilitating. They gain a ton of weight. They don't like it. And, and they're still anxious. And so I have quite a few that we have... Um, Started with CBD. CBD. CBD is the best medicine for anxiety, and they don't need a lot of THC. Some of the pain patients need a little bit more, um, but there's another cannabinoid in the plant. It's THCA, and THCA comes from the plant before it's heated. THCA is a good pain reliever, and we've used that um, to help manage pain and to help manage seizures. So there's a lot we can do with the plant. That doesn't even involve, it doesn't involve THC, and when THC is, is needed, um, you're, you're not going to have the same adverse effects from THC when it's combined with CBD. How about uh, neurodegenerative disorders? Uh, do you actually have a okay. section of the book about uh, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease? Uh, can there be benefits? Mul- uh, multiple sclerosis, we already know. Uh, there's a, a, mm-hmm. a big advocate of uh, medical marijuana for that in uh uh, a TV celebrity um, who is uh, using that. Yes. C- um, both CBD and THC help all of those um, conditions. THC is needed for a lot of the neurological conditions. One, it is what really helps um, to calm the tremor associated with Parkinson's. And sometimes that's what, um, when inhalation is helpful, I have Parkinson's patients who can use an, um, a vape pen and they can vape a little THC and their tremor will um, go away long enough for them to tend to self-care. They can shave, you know, do their hair, they can have their meal. 
And then, you know, the, 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 if it's inhalation, it's not going to be, um, more than two or three hours before that wears off. That's very helpful. THC can interfere with the deposition of the, um, amyloid plaques that are part of the, um, pathophysiology, uh, or what causes Alzheimer's. Um, and THC is neuroprotective. So both CBD and THC tend to slow down the progression of the, the illness and all of those neural um, degenerative conditions. And there's no danger that uh, the THC component will make these patients who are already a little bit on the threshold of uh, dementia uh, more confused, more uh, agitated and disoriented. That That is not going to happen with a properly uh, utilized doses? Not with not with the right doses and not with the right combinations. So adding some CBU to that will help that. But we do we, we, we start with very teeny tiny doses of THC and very gradually increase it because we don't want these patients more confused. Um, we don't want to adversely affect any memory and we certainly don't want to increase a fall risk because THC, there are a lot of these cannabinoid receptors in the cerebellum and so we don't want to do anything that's going to make anyone more wobbly. And that's why it's important to add some CBD um, for these patients, except, you know, when they go to bed, we can give them THC at night, and then they get a very restful sleep, and we're not worried about those adverse effects. Yeah, I'm particularly interested in uh, the role of uh, these types of meds for gastrointestinal ailments, because I have Quite a few patients who have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, and they they have a lot of uh, pain and discomfort. And uh, I'm really intrigued by the fact that their pain, their spasm is reduced, but also that it uh-huh. may have intrinsic anti-inflammatory properties. It's a little bit like, you know, we give uh, certain herbs that are anti-inflammatory like boswellin and curcumin. Uh, and that yeah. uh, the cannabis products may have that type of beneficial effect if taken orally. It, they do, they um, and they do tend to do better with oral um, um, administration. So a lot of my inflammatory bowel patients almost all use capsules, and it decreases the inflammation. It regulates GI motility, so patients with um, a lot of output, that slows down. Um, the symptoms of inflammatory bowel disease improve before the actual colonoscopies improve, but um, you give it a year, and I have patients that, I, that have had severe illness. And as a matter of fact, someone who's in my works in my office now, I sort of had to hire her. She was prone, so it was very severe. She had had a bowel resection. She had an ostomy. She um, was um, so debilitated. She was on disability. She couldn't work. She was, you know, barely 90 pounds. Um, two years later, with CBD. Um, her colonoscopies are normal, her weight is up, and she said, thanks to you, now I have to go back to work. I said, well, come work for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. You no longer can get to disability, but uh, hey, uh, it's, yeah. it's preferable to be back in, in the stream of real life. So, uh, so, so let's talk about uh, the purity of the stuff and potential mm-hmm. contaminants, because Back when yeah. I was in college, we were worried because uh, we thought that the DEA was uh, spraying paraquat on uh, marijuana fields, and we weren't sure whether we were getting high from the marijuana or from the chemicals that were being <laughs> sprayed on it. Uh, yeah. and I guess when you're, you know, 20, it doesn't matter. But um, okay. yeah, 
what's the deal with you know the potential for uh, getting unwanted substances with the uh, the products that that are out there? The potential is high, unfortunately. Um, cannabis is a um, it's an environmental cleaner, so. If there are pesticides around, not even just if you're not, you, you don't even have to spray the plant. If, if the field across the way is using pesticides, um, the, the plant will pick it up. It will pick up heavy metals from the soil, from the water, from the air, and um, so and and that's not a big deal if you're going to use that that plant to make paper. But for medicine, um, the plant really needs to be grown in an environment where it's not going to. Um, be exposed to any of those contaminants. And then once the um, plant is grown and harvested, the process of extracting the cannabinoids from the plant involves oftentimes um, light hydrocarbons, and then another step needs to be taken to make sure that all of that is out of the product. Unfortunately, um, most of what's um, available in the community, um, people haven't gone to all of those um gone through all those steps to make sure that it's clean. Um, the plant is susceptible to mold, and there were a couple of cases in California of some patients who were immunosuppressed, um, preparing for transplant, um, nebulized some mm. flower or buds mm. that were community-acquired, and they were contaminated with a oh. fungus that caused an overwhelming infection in those patients. Something those like patients aspergillus died. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Nasty. Yeah, and some of the some of the plants can have aflatoxin, which is a um, a byproduct of um, of fungus that's on the plant, and that usually associated with peanuts, but uh, not uh, Mm -hmm. necessarily this. So, so so these are concerns. These are real concerns. So, so you know, now there's a lot more uh, standardization. There's testing. There are marijuana dispensaries. I mean, where should you get this stuff from, and how do you make sure that you've got a reliable source? Well, it depends on your state and how regulated the state is. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully you're in a state that has regulations, that has limits, that makes these um, these uh, processors send their product off to third-party uh, labs to be tested. And then those labs have to be regulated because there were problems in Oregon where some of the lab tests were being falsified, mm-hmm. you know, the results were being yeah. falsified. So because this is an unregulated um, commodity or a plant, uh, we don't have USDA uh, regulations or inspections. Um, so it, it, you have to look at what your state's regulations are, and hopefully you're in a state that's rather strict um, because you could even be getting something from the dispensary that, that's not, you know, that's not you know, healthy. So um, each state is different. I don't know all of the um, the um, regulations for each one. I know Massachusetts is pretty strict in their limits. Maryland is pretty strict. Um, so you you have to do that investigation and see what is it your state requires of these processors and growers. And if it's not, um, if they're not being strict with them, then you need to you know, rattle the cage and make some noise and talk to your legislators about regulating the industry because we have sick people who are using these medicines. Well, it's interesting because there's a lot of big 
players getting involved with this, big companies that have a high profile and have liability. And I think that's that's to the good. I mean, obviously, there, there's a gold rush in this that you know, a lot of companies are rushing to exploit the new popularity of medical marijuana and CBD. Uh, but, you know, and there may be some bad players, uh, but there's also a lot of really responsible companies that don't want to tarnish their reputation or incur liability. Uh, and they do quality yeah. control, you know, just like responsible supplement manufacturers. You know, it's this the industry uh-huh. is a tale of two cities. You got the people looking for the quick buck and others who want to uh, exactly. serve the community and, you know, make an honest profit. Um, drug mm-hmm. interactions, you know, people, some you know, yeah. older people who take these medications, uh, who take medications, they're the ones who may want to consider taking CBD, but they're concerned that, you know, is it going to, you know, is, is smoke going to come out of my ears when I take it along with my traditional medications? That's a, that's a legitimate um, concern. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people on the Internet that don't know anything about drug interactions and would have you taking CBD along with everything. But there are certain medications, about 65% of the prescriptions we write are metabolized by a particular enzyme that CBD uses up. So if you're using CBD in close proximity to some of these medications, there will be no enzyme left to metabolize that so might, you might build so, up higher levels of certain medications yes. as a result. Yeah, and it, it's a problem if you're if it's a blood thinner, mm-hmm. um, certain you know certain uh, antidepressants like tricyclic antidepressants, statins, um, there are uh, anticonvulsants. So because it's actually an um, effect patients, similar to grapefruit. You know, grapefruit has that effect too. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It uses up that cytochrome P453A4. So I, I really recommend that patients um, or anyone who's using CBD, if you're on any type of medication and you're not sure, just space that CBD at least two hours apart. Mm-hmm. And if it's a blood thinner, a statin, an anticonvulsant, any of those, even proton pump inhibitors, they really should be um, not taken Along with, I say, don't take CBD along with all your other medication. Take that by itself, a couple hours apart. Well, this has been a really illuminating discussion, and I really appreciate you know the rigor with which you approach a subject that you know is kind of fraught with emotionalism and uh, you know controversy. Uh, you're open-minded, mm-hmm. but you're also uh, properly cautious when it comes to your recommendations. And you can find them in the Medical Marijuana Guide, Cannabis and Your Health. Uh, offers a much deeper dive on the subjects that we've touched upon during this broadcast. But also, uh, you have a service. Uh, do, would you like to tell our audience about that? Um, about um, your practice? Evaluating patients? Yes, I yeah. practice in the, Mar- in the D.C. area. I'm licensed in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And I see patients... Um, and make uh, evaluations, do recommendations, you know, and make recommendations in terms of what types of products I think would be most beneficial and how to use them, what to look out for. And then I'm also licensed in California where I can do ca- uh, telemedicine visits, and I do that. Um, but I also um, offer educational consultations to um, people all over the world. I've, I've spoken to people in many different countries um, talking about cannabis and how to use it. I can't take on a doctor-patient relationship, mm-hmm. but I can certainly impart information. 
Great. And how do people reach you? You have a website or? I do. I have a website. It's um, Tacoma Care with a K. So it's T-A-K-O-M-A-C-A-R-E dot com. Great. Well, once again, I got to congratulate you because um, this is long overdue, uh, a very uh, comprehensive and uh, research-based analysis of this issue, this issue that uh, I think is really going to take on greater and greater importance uh, because there's tremendous potential for medical cannabis in treating a wide variety of conditions and it also meets some really important needs that we have. A lot of drugs don't work. A lot of drugs have a lot of side effects. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we have a huge uh, opiate dependency problem in this country. And part of the answer could come yeah. from a better uh, selective use of, of uh, medical cannabis for certain patients. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. I really appreciate it. Dr. Patricia Fry, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed being able to talk to you. My pleasure. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.